0: Are you a business owner, entrepreneur, or executive who's working hard at living a good story? What if you can start living a better one? Welcome to Living a Better Story, a podcast that goes deep and clears away the good so that you can be great. Hosted by Chad Burmeister and Rich Blakeman, we get you into alignment with your God-given purpose here on planet Earth. Don't settle, a better story is waiting for you to invest in yourself and living a better story
1: everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I am the host of the Living a Better Story podcast, and today I've got with me an amazing pastor. Pastor Hall is the pastor of Life Church International for the past four years, and he's been a pastor for 18 years. So both are my lucky numbers, by the way, four and 18 fit in. (laughs) We're (laughs) off to a good start. We're off to a good start. Uh, Pastor Hall is in Atlanta uh, where the weather, he said, is better than what he found in Michigan. So i um, sorry, right. Michiganites, but uh, Atlanta's got better weather. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, Chad, I've been looking forward to this.
2: Um, I'm really honored and excited to be here.
1: Well, when Daryl Stinson, I heard speak at a TEDx uh, probably a year and a half, two years ago, um, I got to know him through another friend named John Guidon. And, and so I've been a fan of Daryl ever since. And the fact that you've been his pastor uh, from, the, from the time he was young to now and seen his story transpire, um, I'm really excited to dig in with you today in terms of what, what can our listeners learn, especially from yeah. the new book that you put out, right? Uh, what's the new yeah. book title? Seven Deadly
2: Thoughts, Conquering the Thoughts That Limit Your Life. I'm really excited about it.
1: That is so cool. We all have self-limiting beliefs. I've heard that 80,000 thoughts are what most people have per day and somewhere around 40 to 60,000 are negative. Negative. That's right. And so if you can inject positivity and shift the current and there's tactics of how you can do that. So this is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Before we get started, I like to connect the audience with your your upbringing, right? A lot of a lot of what a person becomes kind of starts when they're five, six, seven years old. What was your passion, or what did you you know what did you pursue when you were young?
2: Well, when I was young, I you know um, like we were you and I were just talking about um, limiting beliefs, and even before the interview started, you know we've all got a story, something that we've come from. And when I was young, my parents were separated for a long time. Um, uh, that probably played a huge role in, you know, limiting beliefs that I had picked up and lived with along the way. For a long time, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, to be honest. I didn't have it all figured out. You know, when I hear people talk about they knew since they were a kid what they were going to do. That wasn't my story at all. Um, it wasn't until probably I was 24 years old that I had the light bulb kind of come on. Uh, before that, I was just kind of living life. And my, my brother, uh, when I was 14 years old, my older brother, who served in the Navy, was in a accident, um, naval accident about 60 miles off the coast of California, and uh, he died along with 25 other uh, guys, and that threw me in a tailspin. I was devastated. We were very close, and um, I was angry. I was very bitter. I was angry at God. I was angry at the world. Looking for somebody to blame, and that um, that single event probably had the greatest impact on my life, and and it stuck with me for for years after that. And so, really, I spent some time making some messes during the ages of fourteen to eighteen, mm. and then um, and then I came into faith. And when that happened, um, those messes started to get cleaned up. And so here I am.
1: Mm. Man, I've had some of those times where the word that comes up during those. Times in life is why, right? You find yourself crying loudly. That's right. Why? 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 I, I'm even yelling it at the top of my lugs. Even uh, a month ago, almost to the day, my son was burned second, third degree burns on his face and hands from a mm. an oil fire. And he was just cooking, doing his normal thing. He's an engineer, followed the directions to a T. Poof, puts a little water on it. Next thing you know, we, you know, we're rushing him to the ER. Well. You could either, you know, I was in the why questions early, but you can either go to, this is terrible, or I have faith, everything's going to be all right. And yeah, both right. me, my son, my wife, my parents, everybody in our family, everybody was praying. It even got to the United Airlines pilots because my sister-in-law works for United. Wow. And I got to tell you a month later, his face, it's looked like he has, well, it looks like he may have gotten a little scuffle with someone, but three weeks ago, you would have thought the nose was about to fall off oh my goodness no kidding and it's just it, there's no other explanation besides a miracle what transpired in the last 30 days and we've incredible faith going into it yeah
2: that's incredible yeah i eventually i came to adopt as an axiom that i share this as often as i as i have the opportunity i share this thought i really believe nothing happens to me it happens for me mm. when i adopted that Mindset that nothing happens to me; it happens for me. Which, for me, as a as a as a Christian, as a as a pastor, really um, finds its roots in Scripture. You know, God works all things for our good. But when I believe that nothing happens to me, it happens for me. It changes the way I perceive adversity or difficulty. I, from the onset, I really believe that somehow this is going to turn out to be something good for me. It might hurt right now. It might be painful. Um, I might have to ask why a few times. Um, that doesn't mean I don't feel, but it changes my point of view. And I began to look for the good. And I found out that if I start looking for the good, I'll always find it. It's I've never not found
1: always. it. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's a guy, Antarctic Mike, who speaks at different events. And he ran an ultra marathon 100 miles in, in Antarctica. And people would say, are you crazy? Well, his wife was in Boulder and fell from a cliff. And he mm. he does that, and then she lived, like broke a lot of bones, but has challenges through her life. And so he wants to find those, he actually looks for those moments to see wow. the silver lining on the other side. So most of us they happen and then we look for the good. He actually tries to drive into them. Wow. Wow. In a wow.
2: different perspective, right? Yeah, that's incredible.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's pretty neat. Okay. So that's that's really. Thank you for sharing the background. I think that's important for our audience to connect with. We all go through stuff in life. Right, right. And it's, and it's how you respond to that stuff and look for the good. Let's talk about the seven deadly thoughts, because I'm sure each of us, just like when some, a death in the family or you know, you go through you know the, the, um, the mourning stage, for example, I have to imagine seven deadly thoughts are something you've figured out that are, uh, that are important to recognize. So tell us a little bit about the book. What's, what's the purpose of it? And let's talk through the seven deadly thoughts. Thank you for listening to the living a better story podcast. Today's podcast is made possible by 77 pray.com connect to God's miracles for your life. Visit www.77 pray.com or download the mobile app, at the App Store, or on Google Play. There are plenty of mental toughness apps available, but only one spiritual toughness app, and that's 77 Pray. Track your daily walk with God, get prayer support on demand, crowdsource difficult decisions you are faced with, and share God's love with others. Visit www.77pray.com to learn more.
2: Yeah, well, you know, when people ask me about the book, and um, I was just talking to a leader today who had, you know, he told me he can't get past chapter three, keeps reading, and he asked me the question, he said, how can, how are you able to write it so well? How are you able to articulate this concept so well? I said, well, that's easy. I lived the concept. I wasn't writing about something that was, that was, you know, conceptual off in the distance that I learned about in a book. I learned about it through life, and wanted to record it to help other people shorten the distance really between where they are and where their life could be. Um, if they didn't allow those limited beliefs, those limited mindsets that oftentimes get into our life early, um, either, usually in our childhood, um, Jadis, you and I were, were speaking, uh, and, and, and these, these deadly thoughts, they don't come announced. They never let us know they're here. They just set up camp in our head, in our heart, and we truly believe something is true about us that's not true. But we build our life around this lie. And that line limits our relationships. Um, it limits uh, the careers we pursue, the, the jobs we apply for, um, uh, for single people, the people they would, they would even ask out on a date, just because of things they believe about themselves, mm-hmm. is that, that, that they're just not true. And so they expect less, and, and they think less of themselves. And here's what I discovered. I discovered when I wasn't thinking much of myself, I didn't expect much from myself. When, when I began to uncover these, these deadly thoughts in my own life, these limited beliefs about me in my own life, that's when I began to see some real breakthroughs happening in my relationships, in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids, in my calling to ministry and helping other leaders. I'm pursuing my passions today. And there was a time in my life, Chad, I would have been like, ah, that's for other people. You know, I, I, I'm not built to do stuff like that. Well, where did I pick that up? where did I start to believe that? And so that's the focus of the vision of the book. I really want to help other people uncover these deadly thoughts and their origin before they they miss out on life, the best parts of their life. They don't have to waste the next decade of their life trying to figure out why they're so frustrated. Because there's something inside of me that wants to fulfill destiny, but there's something in my head that tells me I can't. And that's one of the sure symptoms of entertaining deadly thoughts, is you're frustrated a lot. You're frustrated because you have passions that are going unfulfilled. You have desires, but you don't have the strength or you don't feel like you've got the moxie or you don't feel like you've got the gifts or talents to really pursue the stuff that's in your heart. And that's a sure sign that somewhere in our life, we allowed something or someone to convince us that we cannot do the very thing that we were created to do.
1: Ooh, that's a good one. That landed um, at the event. <clears throat> Eric Donovan is the CEO of Paradium out of Louisiana, and he helps mm-hmm. CEOs and entrepreneurs come up with a plan to pass on their belief systems, their financial, all of it to their kids and their kids' kids. Cause he said, Hey, you really can go th- two, three generations down. Well, one of his main messages for the week it's, it, is shut up and pray Shut, and he needs this, right? This is probably how he was, his DNA says he needs right, space, right. right? So that's why he uses the language, shut up and pray, shut up and read your Bible, and then shut up and act. Hmm. And, and, and a lot of times we think that we need to, we don't think we can have a direct relationship with God. And it's far from the truth, right? It's, that's right. If you just shut up and pray, shut up and read the Bible, shut up and, and act when you ask, Hey, w- your will be done. And like, I've given that prayer to so many people over the years. I'm like, look, do me, will you do me a favor? 21 days, right? Cause that's when you form a habit and just ask your will be done when you go to bed at night. And then when you wake up, listen, and then I'll bet you your path will start to steer just a little bit off path of where you've been going. And mm-hmm. this one guy, he saw me do a webinar about that five years ago, seven years ago. And he called, he goes, you don't know me, but would you be willing to take a call? Sure. Anytime. We'd spend an hour. He was about to lose his family. He was about to get kicked out of his house, all this mess. And he was, it was drugs and alcohol related, I think.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And we talked through it and I gave him the will be done prayer. And a year or two later, he calls and he said, Hey, I saved my house. I got a director job. I have two people reporting to me. And he's like, man, it all came clear to me when I made that connection. Wow, and that's where it's like, oh, if you can wow. show people the path, that all you got to do is ask. Wow, that's incredible. So yeah, I love the, I love the book you wrote. What, um, give us in a couple of examples. What's like you said, chapter three is that the self-limiting belief chapter, or what's that specific? Uh,
2: actually, chapter three is the dangers of a poison perception. You know, a perception doesn't get enough uh, attention. I think perception. Is essentially, you know, this filter that we all have that's built based on past experiences and information and every day it evolves with new information and experiences and the problem is if we're not aware of, of that filter or the health of that filter. Um, all of the new information that passes through it will be tainted by the flavor of the filter at the point of of gaining it and, and the the danger is you can believe you're absolutely right, but be positively wrong. You can, you can, this is why a, a lot of times people think, you know, nothing good happens to me. Well, it does, but your perception has been poisoned. Old pain, old wounds, stuff happened that changed the lens through which you view the world. And there really is more good in your life than you can see, but everything is processed through this, this painful perception that we've adopted. So all of the good things in our life we see is, we see as bad, a poisoned perception can make a friend look like a foe. It can make, um, uh, somebody who could be, um, Uh, a confidant, a competitor, Um, we begin to push the right people away while drawing to us the wrong people. We build relationships that that are unhealthy. And it, it really comes to being aware of our perception. Our worldview has been shaped by information and experiences, right or wrong, good or bad, accurate or inaccurate. So I think before you start addressing the deadly thinking, we have to take a look at our perception. What is the world we've adopted? How do I see my marriage? How do I see my career? How do I see my life and why? Where did I pick this up? At what point in my life did I believe that I couldn't be happy? At at what point in my life did I believe I couldn't have a better, my marriage could not become something more than it is today? When did I stop? And um, so that's the chapter that the, the leader I was talking to this morning was stuck on. He said he just kept reading it over and over and over again and began to realize that the attitude that he had adopted, the outlook on life, his perspective on life changed the way he approached all of his relationships, uh, his leadership capacity, what he actually thought he was capable of ever really doing or the size of the impact he thought it could make. So that's where we start, just taking a look. What's going on? you know, mm-hmm. in our perception. It's kind of like, I like to use this example. In fact, I use this in the book, Chad. If you ever watch, like you can go to YouTube and watch um, famous fight scenes from movies, but you can watch them like behind the scenes, you know, like they, they'll they show you what it looks like to the director and the producer and the actors. And it's crazy because if you watch, you're like, that's, that's crazy. In the movie, it looks like they're hitting each other. But when you see behind the scenes, they're not even close. Like, They'll come 12 inches short of actually punching each other in the face. But the camera is positioned at just the right angle. So that if you look at it from this perspective, you would swear they're actually hitting each other. And then they time the sound of the punch just right. And when you put it all together, it looks like there's a fight. When in reality, they're not even touching each other. Hmm. And I think that's the same concept. When you have a poison perception, you'll begin to look at life at just the right angle that will make you think nothing good is going to happen for you. This is as good as it's ever going to get. Your relationship with your spouse is never going to get any better. Your relationship with your kids can't get any better. You can never truly achieve a measure of success. Um, the money you think you're capable of earning, stewarding, and, and, and enjoying, all of that comes back to this poison perception that I think more people deal with than, than we realize.
1: Right. Well, I think of my poison perception, I was fired from my first job out of college. And it just was such a stinger that right. every time I'd get to uh, a certain period of into the new company, I was like looking over my shoulder, thinking, "Hmm, right, am I going to be walked out the door soon?" So I'm sure that I took certain actions to try to protect against that. And then the one of those actions was every two to three years, I would leave before the company left me. Wow. And I'd move across the country, and so the, the, you know the. And now that causes a ripple because now the positive or negative impact for your kids is okay. We move from this spot to that spot to that spot, and you know, had I recognized early that poison perception, maybe I could have said, you know what, let's just move wherever we want to move and stay there for a long period of time um now looking you know for for the for our kids they got to meet a lot of neat people they got to see a lot of neat cities right. and it's what you know what is is um but it's interesting they've now got to deal with a certain set of perception poison perception too that was inadvertently caused by yeah. my poison perception right
2: well that and that is I'm first of all thanks for your uh, transparency and vulnerability that's so helpful to all of us i wish I wish with all of my heart, Chad, that more leaders would be transparent and honest about their struggles. That's what helps the rest of us move on, move forward and heal. Um, But I actually use that illustration. In fact, um, Psychology Today released a report. They said that uh, by the time uh, people that get divorced and remarried repeatedly, by the time they get to the third marriage, they've only got a 27% chance of making it. And it's interesting because, you know, people just like you quit jobs, people will quit relationships. They'll quit marriages and they'll think, you know, I'll just go to the next one before I get rejected. Go to the next one and go to the next one. And everyone wants love and everyone wants to be accepted. The problem is that we don't think we're acceptable. We, we think we're rejectable. Mm-hmm. And whether it's in our career or, or our marriage or friendships, I think you described something that a whole bunch of people can relate to on some level. Um, Patty, Patty Dabrowski in her two, 2015 TED Talk, Draw Your Future she Man, she brought some meat to the table. And she shared a statistic that's shocking. She said that there, there is a nine-in-one chance that somebody will make serious life change even in the face of life-threatening illness. So if your doctor says you need to quit smoking, there's only a nine-in-one chance you're actually going to quit smoking, um, even if it means that it's going to take your life. And that's fascinating. And the reason, the reason being, it comes back to our mindset. It's what we think about ourselves, what we believe about ourselves. We don't believe we can. We don't believe it's necessary. Or the worst mindset is, I don't believe I'm valuable. I, I don't believe I'm worth making a change for. I don't think, Chad, anyone would say that that blatantly, but we say it other ways.
1: Yeah. Unconsciously. Subcon-
2: and sub- subconsciously, we believe that about ourselves. We're just not valuable enough to make those changes.
1: Yeah. Give us one more of the of the deadly thoughts
2: um one of them that resonated uh with me is uh, chapter 5 it is the deadly thought i don't have what it takes and that shows up manifests itself in so many different ways in our lives and i use an incredible example of course i'm a pastor so i'm going to use a lot of examples from the bible but there's this incredible guy in the bible named saul and um the scripture says he was head and shoulders above the rest he was the first king of israel uh, when he went to war, he, you know, he was incredible, very effective military general. Uh, the scripture even says he was an attractive guy. So here's a guy who's popular with the ladies. Uh, here's a guy who's uh, got the best job in the world on deck, the first king of Israel ever, God's chosen king, um, popular, attractive. He's got wealth. Uh, he came from a very wealthy family. We learned that from scripture as well. Uh, and yet the, the scripture says that on the day of his coronation, the day that he was to be installed as king, The scripture actually says they couldn't find him, and they went looking for him. And literally, Chad, when I read this, I I almost jumped out of my seat. It said, and they found Saul hiding among the baggage. Mm -hmm. He was hiding, and many of us are hiding among our baggage. Mm -hmm. We're hiding among the baggage from our childhood, from old relationships, and it all comes back, and this, this deadly thought at the end of the day comes back to our battle with insecurity. No matter what everyone else thought of Saul, Saul did not think about himself that way. He, he he could go out to the battlefield, and in our world, maybe that's, you know, you show up to the office, and you get, you know, 100 clients in a week, and you're just slaying it, you know, or maybe maybe you're building your email list, maybe you're building your, uh, your client base, or, you know, if you're a minister or a pastor, maybe your church is growing, you're killing it, you're slaying it. But privately, inside, Saul was losing the biggest battle of his life. It was his battle of insecurity. Yes. He, just, he did not believe. Now, publicly, everyone would have looked at Saul and thought, what a guy. Man, but privately, he had deep-seated insecurity. Now, we all have insecurity. That's, that's really not the problem. The problem is, is that, like Saul, many of us refuse to face it.
0: Hmm.
2: And that's what, co- that's what cost him everything. He, he he could have had an incredible life. He could have had an incredible future. But his insecurity ended up manifesting itself in every one of his relationships. It ended up costing him the, the, the kingship, the throne of Israel. It, I mean, it ended up costing him victories in battle because what was happening inside ended up catching up to the stuff that was going on on the outside. So, And none of us can ignore it forever. Either we deal with our insecurity or... As we get older, our insecurity will deal with us.
1: So there was a, my father-in-law used to be a financial advisor for NFL players. And so a lot of NFL players, as you know, working with Daryl, you know, it's like winning the lottery. And that's a bad thing that happens to someone who wins the lottery. And it's probably a bad thing that could happen. So, hey, here's your $40 million sign. That's right. So there's this this one guy. I remember playing in Hawaii in the pool. We did this like handoff where you greased the watermelon and passed it. And this guy was just a nice guy in the pool, you know, big dude, lineman. Well, the Super Bowl comes around, he gets in it, and he he was in the baggage across the state line in Mexico from San Diego where the Super Bowl was late that night. Didn't never even made it to this his first Super Bowl experience. Wow. And so something was going on under there that he didn't face that caused him to go across the border in Mexico. An exercise that that worked in just such an amazing way at the event last week or two weeks ago that Daryl participated in was when you go tell your story in a certain way and and Robert White has graduated 1.3 million people from his mindset workshops over the years at three or four different companies what he had people do. And this was just a room of 12 people. We all kind of told our story in a specific way. And then afterwards, we went around and we talked to the person. We said, you know, Travis, what I heard about you is from 14 to 18, you had some challenges and you found Jesus and you've now accepted yourself and you're an amazing human being. And now you give the gift to people like Daryl, etc." And so then you go to the next person. And they've heard something similar to that, maybe a slight variation. But when you hear it 12 times in a row, wow. th- then you finally, the belief gets injected into you because you've now, usually you're dealing it with yourself, right? And you're not getting that instantaneous feedback. Wow. Wow. And that little powerful session that we went through caused a lot of transformation and change in a really, really short period of time. Wow.
2: That is powerful. That's yeah. an incredible exercise.
1: Yeah. So we'd love to have you at one of these experiences. I think we're going to do one in Arizona, then Colorado and then Louisiana is the plan. So.
2: Wow. I would love to be a part of it. It sounds intriguing.
1: Goodness. Yes. Yes. Well, and so the key in my mind, as the world moves forward and AI comes in and there's a struggle and a wrestle right now between what's, what's right and what's wrong. And what's good and what's evil. And to me, it's more important than ever to be able to connect and, and expose the word of God to people. And it it may not be in a hundred percent the same way that it's been done for hundreds of years. I interviewed this guy this week, Greg, who was a former detective for the New York police. And he was shot in the chest and he completely changed his life and attitude. And and he just is an amazing human being. Um, His number one wish, I said, if you could, if you could wish for anything, what would it be? And it was, Mm -hmm. I would want my four adult kids to come to church and come back to church. And I'm looking at it going, what if, what if church came to the four kids, right? How do you, how do you flip that equation? with all of the technologies and Instagram and fake all these different tools. And that's really where the vision of living a better story is bringing church to God's children versus God's children to the church and they'll coincide. But how do we, how do we take that mission and show people that, Hey, everyone has challenges, but you are God's child. You were created in his image and you're amazing. You're a masterpiece
2: yeah uh thank you for bringing that up i I think uh in the context of ministry the the question you just posed is maybe the most important one um because i feel like we're at a crossroad um, and the church has got to decide some things about in regards to how we're going to do ministry i think 2020 for us was great um and here's why now not easy i didn't say easy but it was great because it forced us to learn new ways to do ministry we had to find new ways to innovate. We had to find new ways to, as you said, take the message to where the people are. And, uh, and we did. I mean, we're, right now we're reaching more people than we have ever reached because we found digital ways to do outreach that's making a far greater impact. Um, but I think one of the things that, that I'm seeing happening oftentimes is, well, the mindset I'm seeing that's keeping the church from making an impact is when comfort becomes king, change becomes an enemy. When comfort becomes king, change becomes an enemy to be avoided. Uh, change always happens. The question is not if change is going to happen. The question is, are we going to happen with the change? And uh, One of the limiting mindsets in the church is that the church is a building or an organization. The church is a people. The, according to Scripture, church was never designed to be a building. It's, it's a people. We gather in a building on Sundays and maybe other days even, mm-hmm. but the church was always designed to be outside of the walls of that building. So I think embracing this season of change, I think this is, we're getting ready to go back, but we will never go back to the way we used to. We're better today, Chad. Mm -hmm. The things we've started to do, we won't stop doing, but watch this. We have stopped doing Mm -hmm. other things we used to do and won't start doing them again, Mm -hmm. because we've discovered that if we really believe in our mission as the church, then we're going to prioritize things a little bit differently.
1: Yes. Now, the the dilemma there, my aunt is, was my godmother, is my godmother. And so she's very scripture based. And so when yeah. some pastors can, you know, put on a, a story that maps to today's environment, I respect and appreciate it. But the caveat is be careful, because you can't just make up the story, it has to be like you have the story you just told us all. That's biblical. It's real, That's right? Like, go read it. And there's a book called Without Flesh, and it's, and it's about Jesus. Um, I can't remember the author, but I read it really quick when she sent it to me. And it talks about um, this is the body, not this is the representation of the body, but is. And then it goes through conversion one to two to three to four to languages to translations. And before you know it, if you're looking at one Bible translator, like the Cliff Notes versus another, depending on who wrote that on the internet, it's going to be very different. And so keeping the truth, I am the way and the truth and the life of Jesus without diluting it, and and yet still moving into the new times to me seems to be a, you know, we need God's guidance on that. Thank you for listening to the Living a Better Story podcast. Today's podcast is made possible by 77pray.com. Connect to God's miracles for your life. Visit www.77pray.com or download the mobile app at the App Store or on Google Play. There are plenty of mental toughness apps available, but only one spiritual toughness app, and that's 77pray. Track your daily walk with God, Get prayer support on demand, crowdsource difficult decisions you are faced with, and share God's love with others. Visit www.77pray.com to learn more.
2: Well, we do. But I honestly, Chad, think it's all there. The the Bible is incredible to me in that it was written so long ago and yet still is is the most relevant piece of, of literature on the planet. Um, I think that's why it says of itself, the scripture says of itself, it's living and active. And it really is. I just gave you that example from Saul. Every chapter has something like that because the scripture, God in his infinite mind, his omniscience, I mean, he, he knew what we would need in 2021. So when the word of God, the Bible was, was recorded and preserved all this time for all of us, um, the words of life are there. Uh, he addresses everything under the sun. There's nothing new. I know we think there is. I think uh, when it comes to matters of the heart, Chad, there's nothing new. The things that plague man, that bother man, the things that hold us back, the, thing, the things that make us happy. I mean, at the right. end of the day, there's really
1: nothing new. Same stuff, different century. Yeah, Same,
2: that's exactly right. And so, and you know, in terms of translation, yeah, I, But but I think it's also important for people to understand that we have more uh, manuscripts today than we've ever had before, and so really, um, I'm not a you know I don't I'm not a translation um, basher, and I, I you know I'll I'll lean into all of them to learn something new, but really those those guys right, translating from Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew, man they're they're taking new manuscripts that they just dug up two weeks ago, comparing them to the other thousands. Right? There's no other uh, document in history that has as much manuscript authority as the Bible. Think about that. Nothing is even close. Right. We have thousands. Right. And so the accuracy is unprecedented. And so, but, and it just keeps getting better and better. You know, we keep right. finding new stuff and it just keeps getting better and better. So, so one more yeah. question.
1: Are you running out of time here? No, I'm good. Let me ask one more question. And this is a selfish question, I guess. Okay. Very selfish <laughs> for God. So, I really want to put an app out. Um, there's this app called 75 Hard. And, it, and it, you go in and you work out twice a day for 45 minutes, check the box. Then you go in and drink a gallon of water throughout the day, check a the box. Then you don't drink for 75 days, check a box. Uh, you read 10 pages in a book, check a box. So there's about six of these, check boxes. Yep. By the end of 75 days, look out, like you're down 10 pounds, you're feeling right. great. Right. I want to build the same app that has the similar check boxes, but for Jesus. Hmm. If you were the creator of an app, you know, shut up and pray, shut up and read the Bible, shut up and act. If those are three core kernels, are there any others that I'm missing? Uh, you know, you wouldn't want it to be 25 things because people, this, I really want this to to go wide and deep for people. What else yeah. would you add?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, I can think of three things right off um, the bat um, that I think we often Overlook in being in relationship with Jesus. Uh, number one is rest. Um, we always—it's uh, one of the easiest things to overlook. His invitation to rest. Rest in me. Um, if you're tired and weary, you know, come on, give me your burdens. I want to give you rest. I'm inviting you to rest. That's an incredible invitation. Um, Jesus on the cross said, "It is finished." He finished the hard work. He really did. He—he's like, hey. Which takes me to my second thing, believe. Uh, The fight for our faith is always a fight in believing. And daily, I have to remind myself to believe that Jesus' work on the cross was it. I can't add anything to it. I can't take anything from it. It, It's all about him. The moment I think I can add to it, it becomes about me. And that's when I get tired, weary, burnout. Um, So believing, um, resting. And um, in the same vein, I would say trust. Trust him today. Mm -hmm. Trust him with your marriage today trust Him with your career today, trust Him with your money, trust Him financially today, trust Him uh, with your, can you trust Him with your health today? Can you trust Him in that difficult situation that is totally out of your control? Will you just today choose to give it back to Him and say, I trust you? The three things that I see people in the body of Christ wrestling with more than anything are those three things. Believing, really believing, like we say we believe, but then we, we sort of you know, we we almost think that Jesus passed a baton at the cross. He did not. Jesus said he didn't say the race has started. He right. his exact it words. Is it is finished. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so so much of what we do stems from that. Honestly, Chad, between you and I, and I guess everyone else who's listening, <laughs> I think that's why a lot of people get burnt out. I think they grow weary of people telling them uh, they're not good enough, and they're you know they're never going to be. And you you if if you do and to your words, you know, I don't want to put 20 things. If you if you've got to do 20 things every day for God to like you, I don't know if I can measure up. But what if we really believe that the cross was enough? What if we really believe that I could rest in what Jesus did on the cross and just trust him with my life and my stuff? And that even on my worst day, he's, he said he'll never leave me or forsake me. I don't know, Chad, that sounds like pretty good news to me.
1: That's pretty good news. There's a great song that I would play on the outro here. Maybe I'll actually put it in by Need to Breathe, a South Carolina band. It's called The Banks to the River. And I picture that as God, right? You put your raft down and you go and there's banks. If you trust the banks are there, don't worry. There's not going to be a cliff. It might get to level four or level five where it's pretty. (laughs) That's right. But you know, what's on the other side is peaceful, calmness and, and awesome beauty. So banks to the river. Um, This has been an amazing conversation. I thank you so much for sharing with, with me and, and our audience. I'd love to meet you uh, live. Maybe we'll have to do an Atlanta stopover for the living and better stories. Come on, man. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I'd love it. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Hall. How can people get a hold of your church and follow you and, and become part of your ministry if they want to check you out?
2: You know, uh, the best place to go is, is hit me up on Instagram. It's Pastor Travis Hall. Just find me on Instagram. If you can find me there, everything else you'll need to connect with me is there in my bio on Instagram. Um, I try to release content that's going to be really helpful. I try to post regularly and talk about subjects, just like we talked about today. So I would love to connect with people there.
1: Awesome. Well, I will be a follower. I can tell you the ripple effect of the things that people like you do may not be felt sometimes, but I can tell you when someone like me follows Instagram and then I use the words that come from you that came from the Bible, uh, you make an impact. So we appreciate you. Thank you. you. Well, I appreciate you too. Bless you. So thank you. Thank you very much. All right, everybody, another another Living a Better Story podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Living a Better Story. We hope that today's show has inspired you to cultivate a better understanding of yourself so you can discover your God-given purpose and start living a better story. For the show notes, visit livingabetterstory.org forward slash podcast, where you can also find other helpful resources. Connect with us and join us again next time for another purposeful show.